Welcome to Carry the Mat, where we pursue meaning in life, legacy, and leadership. Join us as we seek to learn some of life's most difficult yet valuable hard-earned lessons from men and women who have experienced obstacles and victories firsthand, striving to serve one another based on our unique God-given abilities, not interested in merely talking about it, but determined to be about it. If that sounds like you, then let's carry the mat together. Every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Now to your hosts, Ben Brandenburg and Daniel Moss. This is Carry the Mat. All right, guys. Uh, back for another week of Carry the Mat. Um, we're here talking with Russ and Shelly Tanner. Um, Russ and Shelly are uh, a great uh, power couple in, in, in Oconee County and are really involved in a lot of things. And Shelly's going to talk a little bit about their nonprofit. And um, Shelly, we're just glad to have you on. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Why don't you just go ahead and uh, give us a little rundown on your family and um, and just, you know, how y'all got in Watkinsville, all the different uh, just details of what life looks like for y'all right now. So Russ and I have been here. I mean, really, we never left once we started college other than a brief, brief little stint outside in Indianapolis. But um, I moved here as a freshman at UGA in 2000. Um, he actually came a year behind me. And we've now been married. June will be 18 years, so really long time. Um, we're both UGA grads. My degree is in health promotion, so I graduated in 04. And then um, a little bit after that, went to nursing school at Emory and then started having a family. We've got four kids. Carly is 13. She just finished eighth grade. Uh, Rhett is 11. He just finished fifth grade. Maddox is also 11 right now. He just finished fourth grade and major is four. Um, so we're here in, um, outside of Watkinsville now and love it here. It's great. Y'all are busy. It sounds like, um, yeah. I know your cousin, uh, Mallory Stuckey. Yeah. So, uh, that's mm-hmm. how I know you kind of through, through her. How are yeah. y'all, can, how are y'all cousins? Our dads are brothers. So we okay, got it. Yeah. grew up in Hartwell and I grew up in Dexter. So, you know, we saw each other at all the family events, Chris, all the holidays. Usually they would come down to visit our grandparents because our grandparents lived in the same town that I grew up in. Oh, the Dexter metro area. What's bigger, Dexter or Wrights, uh, Wrightsville? Wrightsville, for sure. Wrightsville, I usually just say Dublin because nobody knows Dexter, but really I didn't grow up in Dublin, so I can't claim that. That's where everything we did. Nobody does. Great. Um, yeah, I hear you. Well, it's great to have you. And um, sounds like y'all got a lot going on with the family. But yeah. why don't we just jump right in? Um, I had a chance to go to a fundraising event for y'all. Um, Hope 139 House. I know you're going to get into the details of that. Just if you will, just uh, pretend like our listeners have no clue what that is. Kind of walk us through um, what it is that you guys are involved with and uh, kind of where that organization is right now. So the, the short version is that Hope 139 House is a women's home. Um, our current version will be 12 cottages for women plus a community center. Um, it's in Athens in Clark County. It's on Freeman Drive. It's right down the road from Defax on the north end of downtown. Um, on 17 acres that was donated to us by a very generous um, builder in town who happened to own the perfect property that was really the only property in Athens that 
um, Clark County told us that we could um, even put our vision on. So he just happened to be in the right place at the right time and hear that. And he decided to give it to us. So that is, that's like a very short version. What it is is um, the cottage parts will be for women in crisis situations. They can already have children or they can be pregnant or they can be both. They'll come and live in there. And the goal is for them to maintain custody of their children the entire time. So we will help them with the things that they need to do, whether it's finish their education or learn how to manage their finances, um, parenting classes, travel study, training, job skills, all of it'll be in, individualized programs for each mom based on their specific needs and the needs of their kids. So we have previously used a rental house in Oconee County while we were waiting to find property before this was given to us. Um, so we used a rental house here, Tao's mom and her kids. And, um, so we used a rental house in Oconee while we were housing on previously before this land was donated to us. And we learned a lot through that process and kind of changed some of the things we wanted to do and refined our um, goals and our vision and refined our fight plan. So when uh, all that kind of happened during COVID, which put us behind from behind schedule where we wanted to be, but it was really the Lord's timing because while we were using that rental house, to house moms, we he taught us so much. And during that time is when we were gifted this land and it really set us up for knowing better of what we needed to put on that property. Otherwise we would have built something that was wrong, wasn't what would be benefit the moms the most and what would utilize the space best. Um and also during that time some regulations were changed. Uh Governor Kent changed some things and made it easier to start maternity homes. So now we're at a spot where we are building on that property. We have um, gone through the first round. Uh, phase one of our site work has been complete. Um, we had to apply for some new permits. So now we're working on phase two of site work and fundraising in the meantime. That's awesome. What, um, what brought this idea on? To, to bring something like this to the Athens, uh, Watkinsville area. Um, cause I know that there are different types of organizations throughout the country that, that do things like that. Maybe not necessarily mothers, but, you know, rehabil rehabilitation centers, um, and just trying to help get, provide resources. Like how did you, how'd that end up in your lap and that being something that you decided to, hang your uh, hat on and, and push so that's that's a long answer um so it started um i mean there's really so many things in our in our lives that you know how when you look back over your life and you're like okay i did this and i did this and i did this and i did this and it all seemed separate and like they didn't relate at all and then all of a sudden one day you're like oh oh this is this is how it all related and this is why that's kind of how this story is for this calling of what I felt like the Lord was telling me to do. It's like all these different parts of my life that um, didn't seem like they had anything to do with each other. All of a sudden all converged and they're all together. So I'd say it started even with um, in college 
Um, one of my roommates and closest friends, her parents began the adoption process to, and then while we were in college, we walked through that with them. Um, they had kids in college and one kid finishing up high school and they went to China and adopted two babies and brought them back home and started over. So going through that process with them started something in our own life and Russ and I ultimately did that. So our third Maddox, we adopted. Um, we didn't intend when we started to go through China. We thought it would be domestic, but the Lord made it clear to us that um, China was the path for us. So our third, we adopted from China. And in that, it's a lot of hard um, adoption. I, I we fully believe adoption is a beautiful picture of Christ in the church, and it's a calling. Um, it is very hard because it's a product of a broken world. Moms and children aren't meant to be separated. I found out after I started all this, or, or you know, started off doing all this, that part of the regulations was you had to be an RN to run these moms according to the state. And then um, I took a mission trip to Kupendwa Ministries in Uganda. I took a group of women there, some maternity homes in. Um, in Uganda, and it was life-changing, truly life-changing. And at the time, I didn't realize that it was going to lead to anything other than just being supportive of their organization, which we had been for years, but getting to see it in action, to see what they did and how they helped the moms and the babies there was truly remarkable um, and set everything up for being at a Chosen for Life conference, which is another organization in town, and they were talking about foster care. Um, and during this whole time, from the time we adopted Maddox to the time I got back from Uganda, I kept feeling like there was something something missing that Laura was calling me to do, but I didn't know what it was. And we were seeing counselors and therapists kind of help us through the struggles we were having with Maddox and um, I thought it was fostering and she's like, no, it's not, it's not fostering. You can't, you can't do that with what's going on in your family right now. That, that's not what he needs and that, that's not what it is. Um, so I was frustrated about it, sir, but just kept praying for, well, what if I'm missing something? So I was chosen for life conference, um, a couple of years ago and the speaker was talking about how he and his wife brings Moms in crisis situation into their home and they live with them and they help them meet their needs so that they can then be successful living out on their own and they can custody with their kids and have a good successful relationship with them. So, uh, a different version of Kupendwa to help moms here in Athens provide them housing and training and education and support. Um, and so it just, he made it very clear and I finally felt peace. Like that is what, that is the missing piece. So I started, um, researching and seeing what was here in town. And there's a lot of organizations who do a lot of amazing things that we can partner with. Um, nobody really, nobody had the housing piece and that's a big need here in town. So after I met with a lot of people and began working on it, uh, the Lord just kept doing things to confirm, to keep pressing on. And so we have, um, we've kept pressing on. It's been in his time and not ours. And even things like the land being donated and being so much more property than we ever thought possible, we're able to put a community center on it, um, which is 
for me, that's something I did back in college. I worked at a community center in New Orleans, um, which was also a very impactful time in my life. So even that part is being tied together now because we're able to put a community center on this property along with the 12 cottages so that everyone around, they may not qualify for housing or it might be a dad that we're not housing men, we're only housing women. So the dads can still use the community center and be connected to resources that they need or kids who need support, but their parents may not qualify for housing. They can still come to the community center and we can help them in different needs um, by using that as well. The long, long version, I'm sure I still left a lot out <laughs> of how it came to be. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's really in depth and good. Um, how did y'all get the name? So Hope 139 House came from uh, Hope is because we want women to have hope that they can change and that they can have a future. Um, and we believe that hope comes from the Lord. So, you know, there's not there's not real heart change without him. It's very hard to do that. So um, the 139 part comes from the promises that he gives us in Psalms 139 that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And he has a plan and a purpose for every person's life from the time they're conceived to the time they die. So it just tied together everything, hope, and then 139 to Psalms 139. That's cool. Yeah, that's special. That's really that's that's really great what y'all are doing. Um, obviously the name of this podcast is Carry the Mat, and that comes from the gospel when uh, the guys are carrying um their friend to Jesus and can't get in the room, so they lower him down through the roof, and Jesus is moved by their faith. And mm-hmm. um, we have another episode with Jared Wallace, um, a Paralympian, and Jared kind of talked about um some details in his life of how he's been on the, both on the mat and also carrying the mat. Um, talk a little bit about, um, I guess just, um, just that mission of, of carrying and caring for others that uh, maybe are running through a patch in their lives where they can't do that themselves and how you're um, kind of using that same mentality, that care of the mat mentality and uh, how that resonates with, with y'all. Well, uh, I love that. I love the the title and I love the um that story in the Bible and I do feel like that's exactly what this is. Um we take for granted that we can we have the support and the help that we need. We take for granted we can pick up the phone and call someone to help us do something. But a lot of the women that we've encountered, they don't have that. You don't get into the situation that they're in if you have that easily accessible to you. So that is truly what what this has been for women that was hurt for them off and what we desire for it to be when we open up the doors to the new place is a way that they can say, Hey, I need this and this and this and I need these supports and us to say, We we've got you. Because that that is what they were supposed to do. It didn't say just to say, Okay, you shouldn't do this because this is wrong and leave them hanging. You know, we were to step in and offer that hope and that support. And so that is what our goal is, whether it's um, connecting them to the Athens Pregnancy Center or whether it's through service supplies we could possibly do for this year or 
that stops that awkward step and let's get you in the spirit program right now so that we can have a job to support it. But clearly, um, um, and, and it's not just us helping women that we come in contact with, but also for people who support the ministry. You know, the it takes the village to do something like this. So I definitely don't feel like it's um, my project and my calling. Right? It's the calling that God is giving our community. And I have felt that through people showing up to our business, supporting us through prayers, through finances, through property um, or donating things to women that we need to give, that, you know, just supplies and things that they need. Um, I have said that. So it's, it's a cycle of people are supporting us as they're starting it and as they're running it and as it gets hard sometimes, especially in this part, the part of fundraising and building when our, what we can do with them is limited because we don't have the housing part of them. We're not eating the rent house right while we're building them. So that part is hard, but feeling people caring. Uh, and carrying the whole organization to the earth in many different ways so that then we can do the same for the women um, who are needing things. Um, a beautiful picture to me of how the Lord works. No doubt. Um, maybe I, I'm sure you've had this experience at some point with what y'all are doing. Maybe you uh, talk a little bit about it, but What's it feel like for y'all at Hope 139 when you you're, you have somebody that comes back to you after they've been, you know, supported and rehabilitated and back on their feet and they're functioning at a high level and, you know, things are going the right way for them, a large part and due to the support y'all provided. How does that resonate inside the walls of Hope 139 for y'all? I mean, it's got to be overwhelming. Well, one, one thing I will say that I got some advice early on from um, a similar place in a different city is um, not to expect them to come back and and um, not not to expect that because sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. So I will say the, the last mom that we housed talking with her um it's kind of it's kind of like parenting sometimes. You just keep taking the next step, right step, and you do the next right thing, and you trust that the Lord will um, bring the outcome about in the in the time that He has planned for it. Um, there, it's very hard to change lifestyle cycles in a year and a half to two years. So you really have to look at it with this perspective of we are going to do what the Lord calls us to do, whether we see the results we want or not, or whether the results look different than what we thought they would be, because he doesn't say to do it to get these results. You know, he says to do it. And so um, if you get the if you get to see the success and you get to see the change and you get to see the positive um, forevermore, then praise the Lord for that. And um, sometimes it might look like we've done everything we can do and it's now time to roll out 
and we're going to keep checking in with you and see how things are going. Um, it's some, it, sometimes it might look like we might not hear from you again for a long time. So it looks different for every person. And the, the biggest thing is just to remember that, um, we do what God asked us to do and we walk in obedience and we trust that he knows when and if that, um, the outcome that we think is successful is is there or not, but it might look like success in differently in every single person's life. That's awesome. I mean, that's the definition of faith, right? Like, yeah, faith is, you know, full full steam ahead, no matter what, like, yeah, you don't know what the end's going to be, but you have to have that faith. And that sounds like y'all really operate off of that uh, core principle. And that's, Pretty cool. What's um, your relationship like with uh, Allie Beth Stuckey? I know that's another uh, family member of yours, but how, how um, helpful has she been in this process? And um, I guess vocal has she been on, on kind of putting a megaphone to what you guys are, are putting into action? Yeah, I mean, if you follow Allie Beth, my sister-in-law, um, you would know that she's very pro-life and she's very supportive of pregnancy resource centers and then um of us they you know she came and spoke at our banquet they support us financially um and i know that uh anytime i need anything i know that she could put it out there and i know her followers would respond greatly actually the last time i was putting out requests for some things a mom needed she asked me if i wanted to make wanted her to make an amazon list and like post and share some stuff and i I had to turn her down because I was scared I would get inundated with things because that's I said, let me, let me see what I can get locally and then we'll go there. So I, cause I was a little worried I might get too much stuff. So, um, I'm very grateful for the support that they have and for her stance and her voice, um, in much larger places than I would ever have a voice in. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I appreciate that too. And also being um, a girl dad, just thankful for uh, females like like y'all that are uh, changing the game, that are really stepped up um, in the community. And uh, I'm thankful to have you on and um, shed a little light on that. And uh, thanks for what you're doing. And we're excited to just partner with you. And uh, with that, from a community standpoint, um, we'll be sure to try to be the hands and feet and uh, be a part of whatever we can. And, um, Real quickly, I guess, give if you had a little PSA about um, how somebody, if if this crosses the ears of someone who's out there, how would they go about getting in touch with y'all? And if they know somebody that's kind of in need, what uh, what would be the ways? Maybe they want to do it discreetly. Maybe they want to um, put somebody, put the resources in front of somebody. What would be your recommendation on ways to do that? You can go to hope139house.org. That's our website, and you can subscribe to our newsletter to get updates there. Um, I don't send them out, you know, weekly or anything, so you won't have too many emails. It'll be just the right amount. Um, you can contact us through there. You can donate through there. You can look at the site plans and the maps through uh, the map of the. Um, property through there just to kind of see what it's going to look like and see where we're at now we're on social media at instagram at house, and also facebook 
uh, or they could email me at herborn39house at gmail.com. And yeah, that's pretty much all the ways to get connected with us and we can get the details sorted out from there. Hmm. Thanks, yeah. Thanks a lot for coming on, Shelly. Uh, we'll be sure Thank to get that, that information out. And uh, yeah. yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome that you all did. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Well, to me. All right. So uh, we're super pumped and uh, blessed to have Russ Tanner join us. Uh, he and his wife, Shelly, uh, got on the podcast with us today. Russ is from Wrightsville, Georgia, you know, uh, home of Herschel Walker and right. played football at Johnson County High School. And Russ, what does it take for a lineman to get their jersey retired in high school? Uh, you definitely have to have several hundred dollar bills and, uh, you gotta know who to pay, man. It was, uh, it, it was, it was crazy. I just was the, uh, the product of a great environment. My high school coach, Bill Bonds was a great man. And, uh, he made me a bet that if I could, uh, or not a bet, a, a deal that if I could make all American in high school, that he would retire my Jersey. So I had to find some like obscure magazine. It wasn't even on the web anywhere back then. It's like coach, honorable mention, all American. So he felt like he needed to honor that. So, uh. You know, it was uh, it's cool to have my name mentioned with Herschel because he and I had slightly different careers. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, very very proud to be from Wrightsville, Georgia. That's awesome. I guess Lauren Smith is the other Wrightsville native. Yeah. How how much did you were you aware of that connection growing up? Yeah, so um, I mean, I obviously know Lauren. Um, I didn't know him as much growing up because he was in Athens and uh, we were still in Wrightsville. But uh, once I was up here to be able to have a conversation with Lauren about a lot of the mutual places that we. You know, we both grew up in a lot of the same people we knew and have a little bit of connection to uh, the fabric of Georgia football history with a guy like Lawrence Smith. is uh, it's, it's a pretty cool, it really is. Lawrence the man. Yeah, talk about a historian that's, that's seen it, that generation, uh, the uh, the greatest generation, um, ref often referred to as a greatest generation. But, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so we were talking to your wife from Dexter, you know, being small-town Georgia. What's it like? I mean, do you, uh, do you go back to Riceville? much and uh i mean what's it like do you, do you what high school do y'all support here in town and friday night lights where are you on fridays yeah so um we we don't get to get back down to rights as much as i would like uh, my family's still there my parents are there uh, my nana is still there a lot of cousins aunts and uncles and uh and love it we do get the opportunity but uh with multiple kids who are involved in a lot of different things and uh just the community we're in now it's hard to hard to have time um to to get back down as much as i would i would like um, as far as where we're supporting our kids, go to uh, Oconee County. Our daughter Carla will be cheering for Oconee County Warriors next year. But uh, you know, we're not uh, we're not diehard anywhere, man. Like some of our best friends in the world go to North Oconee. They've got kids who play up there, so we pull for them. We've got friends at Prince um, who go around. So uh, if it, it, my loyalties um, are determined a lot more by people than it is jerseys, so if I know you and you go there and uh, we're boys. You know, I'm gonna support your team, unless you're Florida Gator. I'm not supporting I that. Completely agree. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, it is interesting. I do appreciate the school spirit in Oconee because uh, my daughter goes to Rocky Branch with my wife, who's a first grade teacher, yeah. and we live on the blue side. And but they obviously go over to the red side, and it's like Abby's got not a chance, man. So they're like doing Tighten Up Tuesday and Red Out Friday, <laughs> and uh, because Rocky Branch. Feeds into North, 
Yeah. But it seems like every elementary school is in one particular high school. And I think that's where the good school spirits are. I do appreciate that. And we'll see where she ends up in high school and what situation. They'll probably re-rack re, re everything at that point anyway once they build something out. Um, so tell, talk us through um, talk us through coming out as a prospect, high school prospect. I mean, Coach, Coach, Frick, Coach Rick is fresh on the job and uh, being recruited by Coach Don and staff. So walk us through that. Aaron. Yeah, so, you know, it, it was it was interesting because I wasn't a huge Georgia fan growing up necessarily. Um, I was a college football fan. I loved watching it. We only got like three channels on our antenna in Wrightsville, so um, it wasn't like it is now where kids can watch any team ever. So whoever's playing on Jefferson Pilot, that's typically who we would see. So I was just a big college football fan, and I was being recruited by Coach Don, and Phil Jones was my position coach, and love those guys. Coach Don is a personal friend. I actually spoke to him recently. Great guy. But his time at Georgia um, was was coming to an end, and uh, by the time my senior year rolled around, after my my senior season of football, Coach Dunn and his staff got let go, and I wasn't sure what Georgia was going to look like. Um, I was really close when I say this next part. My wife gets really angry, so let me make sure she's not. But I almost signed with Florida. I was really that close to committing, um, and uh, hard to say, but it's the truth. So when Coach, huh? What'd you say? I said gross. Wow, that's bad. So gross. When, <laughs> so when Coach Rick got hired, um, you know, he came. I remember him coming to the house and meeting with me and my folks and just hearing him present um, his vision for the program, um, the type of guys he wanted to uh, recruit, the type of team he wanted to build, the type of character he wanted to instill, the idea that it was going to be about more than just football. It was more than about being in front of 92,000 screaming fans in red and black every Saturday, it was going to be about on and off the field. Like that really resonated for me. Resonated for my parents probably even more so. So the feeling was exactly right once you met with Coach Rick. It didn't take very long for me to decide, yeah, man, that's the dude that I'm going to play for. Was uh was Spurrier the coach at Florida? He was when you were being recruited. Yeah, he was for sure. That's, that's so, a pretty uh, to ignore being recruited by. I mean, he's yes, yeah, everybody's got their own opinion of Spurrier. <laughs> But man, he is a good. Like he's good. Yeah, he was a trip too. I mean, I liked Spurrier when he was being recruited. He was a guy that his players loved him. All that. So it was fun. Yeah, I think um, the 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 appreciation for him has has grown. I think in any college football fan, uh, when he's when you're not playing against him every year, I think he just was getting the best of Georgia during those days, and it was easy to hate. But uh, yeah, you got to respect him. You know. And what he brought to college football really yeah, no didn't change the game on offense. But yeah, you played under Rick, and uh, we know Rick's a heck of a coach. Uh, can come off to the public as quieter, you know, soft spoken. So who was the guy on staff that would really lay the hammer down when when guys started chirping in spring and summer practices and things got heated? Well. Coach Rick gets a, di a different rap. People thinking that he was, uh, you know, passive just to be quiet. He wasn't. Coach Rick is a very fiery, very uh, competitive guy. But he was able to kind of be the general of the team and kind of stay a little bit away and watch from the outside in. But he had, on offense, it was Coach Callaway. And then on defense, he had Van Gorder, his two coordinators on both sides. And, man, like, they were the law on both sides of the ball. As far as keeping things calm down and not chippy, that wasn't them. I think they encouraged fighting more than uh, <laughs> more than anybody else. Coach Rick made a, a rule one year, there was no fighting. If you had to fight, you had four gases at the price if you got in a fight. And Coach Callaway ended up telling us, like, I don't care what they said. 
He says four gassers. If one of them gets in a fight and your fat butts don't get in there, you're going to have eight gassers from me. Well, you know, what, what are you going to do? So we had to fight. <laughs> Even Coach Rick said no. So, uh, you know, you had those guys that really pushed the envelope with everybody all the time, making sure that the throttle was wide open as far as the competitive spirit of practice. And, uh, you know, you had a little chip on your shoulder at all the time. You better if you want to be good anyways. Yeah. Mm. What's it like uh, being close to the program now and going back and seeing guys and seeing Coach Coach Smart? And, um, I mean, what's uh, – they ever ask you to come in and eval any O-linemen or anything? I, I guess you probably have a relationship with Coach Sarles. And uh, what's yeah. that like now? Yeah, I mean, I know Coach Sarles. Um, I, I don't – I wouldn't say we have a relationship, but I know him. He came in after I was there. I had Coach Callaway all five of my years. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Coach Smart is really awesome to the letter, which is cool. And, and it's cool knowing Kirby because he was the running backs coach my senior year. So I was a fifth-year senior, and he was the running backs coach. And he was a young coach. So, you know, it was more like a – we weren't like buddies, but he was closer to being a friend than he was a coach just because of, you know, he was a young coach for running back. I was a fifth-year offensive lineman. So I got to know him some from that. And he really welcomes Letterman back now, which is awesome. Um, so to be able to be back over there, the cool feeling for me – and it sounds a little cheesy, I guess, but it's kind of like that old analogy about there's just been blocks being, you know, bricks being laid forever. It's kind of the foundation of it. And I feel like I was a very small part of the foundation of Georgia football that got us back to where we're at now. And it's not just me. Like any guy who was fortunate to be in the position that I was in to play for University of Georgia and to be able to strap that helmet on, put the red and black on, run around, you know, Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium, you're part of a brotherhood that can't be taken away. So to see kind of the culmination of what we want this program to be, what we wanted this program to be, to be the reality of where we're at now, back-to-back national champions, top of the program, recruiting at a level we didn't even, you know, didn't even imagine was possible. It's, it's special, man. It's really cool. And I, I tell my kids, my kids are spoiled. They're like, I said something about playing Florida. Like, we don't lose to Florida. I was like, what? What? what is your problem? Florida is a huge rival. They used to beat us all the time. You can't like Florida, and they don't. But, you know, they don't know Georgia losing. So uh, it tells you a little bit about uh, what type of program, program these guys have built now. Because, man, we're at the top of the mountain, and we're going to be there for a long time. So, No, I definitely feel that. It's how laid the groundwork, and I, I see that, Coach Rick era and how that bridged the gap to the Coach Moore era. And even those guys, think about in 2017, to me, that class that decided to stay, Nick, Sony, Roquan, Lorenzo, those guys um, that chose to stay were really uh, – that was – they had just as many fingerprints on that. Those natties as, as the guys that were holding the trophy. So um, we definitely appreciate those eras. And uh, obviously, I, that was my freshman year was was DJ's um, championship year when DJ was starting. Um, so it was just so good to see. Uh, so I mean, that was a fun offense to watch. And um, yeah, I definitely uh, you can't celebrate Georgia history without talking about the groundwork that you guys laid. Um, definitely see that. Yeah. Well, let's transition well, a little bit. Um, Georgia, we talk, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We could talk Georgia all day, but uh, let's transition a little bit about what you're up to in uh, in Wagonsville now. I mean, I know you're a mortgage broker by day, but also you like to grill a bar, uh, smoke a little barbecue. Tell us about your venture in that space. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I've been doing mortgages for uh, about 17 years, and uh, it's the day job. Love it. Pays the bills, provides for the family, and uh, is a cool space to be in. Um, but as you find kind of hobbies that you do outside of work, um, over the last few years, I mean, this is no, this is no, uh, secret, but I mean, I like to eat, you can tell. 
And uh, growing up in middle Georgia, you know, having smoked meat was something that was a regular part of life. So as I've kind of learned more and more about what it really means that barbecue, just kind of the, I, I love the community of barbecue. Don't get me wrong. I love the food. I love, you know, smoked pork, but I love, love cooking whole hogs. We cook briskets and ribs and sausage. I love all that stuff, but I love kind of the brotherhood, the fellowship that comes along with that. And just being able to bring people from all walks of life together in a way that is not pretentious, doesn't have pressure on it. And you can just have conversations. You know, you got a dude, I met a dude who was grilling uh, ribs on the side of the road at the gas station. And he came out to my barn one night. We were cooking and hung out with a guy who was uh, a wealthy landowner from Gwinnett County. You know, like they don't know each other, but they sit around the table. They break bread. They eat brisket. They have ribs together. And you realize you have so much more in common with people than you realize. Um, and barbecue is an avenue for doing that. So now with that, we've become kind of nerds with what type of smoker we use, the type of wood we use, our process of trying to make it elite with what we do. So, uh, yeah, my cousin and I, Matt, and a bunch of buddies that cook with us uh, started a brand we call Tanner Hill Barbecue. The place we grew up, they call it Tanner Hill. I know you're like, where's Tanner Hill come from? We're a bunch of Tanners, and we live on one hill outside of Wrightsville, so it's called Tanner Hill. Um, and we cook. We do uh, not a ton. We do four or five pop-ups a year um, for different events around town. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We love doing it. What's your favorite uh, barbecue joint in, in the state of Georgia? Oh, man. That's a great question. Um, you know, I don't go to as many barbecue restaurants as you would probably think, which is which is the crazy thing. I mean, the ones that are that are you've got a couple of different things, right? You got things like Fox's Brothers and Southern Soul, which are newer, which are you know critically acclaimed, if you will, and those are great. They serve awesome food. But then you got places like Zeb's, uh, Fresh Air. Um, you know, Hot Thomas was down here. Holcomb's down in uh, Greensboro and uh, White Plains. So you got all these old school places that have been cooking the same food for the same way for 50, 75, 100 years. So uh, I don't have a spot that I just love in the state of Georgia. And I don't think there's one way of doing barbecue. Um, if you're passionate about cooking meat the right way with the right people around and trying to make people happy with what you put on their plate, I'm going to sit down and enjoy your food and it's going to be good. So uh you know, I go, I go all over, man. I'm an equal opportunity barbecue destroyer. Have you had a chance? Have you ever um, had Scogners barbecue down in Augusta? I have not. Scogners start uh -uh. the rest. Oh man, next year in Augusta, if you're down there for a golf tournament, you know they have a golf tournament once a year down there. But uh, if you're down there, go to Scogners. I, I usually tell my folks that haven't been there not to order the large plate, but I think you can probably handle it. Hmm. Oh, uh, we can make room for the large plate, my friend. Like, you don't worry over there. Just cause, yeah. just cause, just cause Ben doesn't look like he's big enough to handle a bit, the large plate. I promise you, I can. <laughs> I heard that. Uh, the uh, being on the growing up, we both grew up in around Augusta. Carolina's got a lot of barbecue cook-offs and the whole deal. I mean, there, there's a definitely a culture over there of taking it very seriously, um, as there is in certain parts of Georgia. Um, I'd have to say a place to add, another place to add to your list is uh, Purvis Barbecue in Louisville, Georgia. And, I mean, you're 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 always um, judging the sauces, but down there they've got one that's just – it's kind of more vinegar-based, but it's got some heat on it. I and like it's that. It's just the right amount of heat, you know. It's not – and it's, it's, it's got some uh, – a little bit of tang to it. And uh, 
it's real good. And um, that's a good one to add to your list as well if you're ever in Louisville. I, I love that. I will go there for sure. Yeah. I love eating at those places. Um, and, you know, people love to say, oh, man, barbecue's regionalized. What? No, it's not. It's regionalized because you grew up going to a restaurant that did things a certain way, and that's the taste you like, which is great. But you can cook a variety of barbecue with whatever sauce you want, wherever you live. And again, if you take the time to be good at it, you dedicate to learning and becoming a student of the smoker, you can make great stuff. You know, if you just go out and try to figure out a way to microwave some brisket, it ain't going to be no good and nobody's going to eat it. So you go to a place like Scania's that makes their own sauce and you eat that and it's awesome. You go to a place, you know, like uh, whatever, Sprayberries over by um, Noonan. They've got a different thing too, like all over the place, man. There's people that care about their their craft of barbecue. And I just love learning about it. And I love talking about it, love learning about it, love being around guys who do it and uh, who have way more of a pedigree than I ever could dream of having. So, yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I uh, so I'm, I'm- – follow you. I'm friends with you on Facebook. And, uh, I, you know, recently, you know, relatively recently, you, you post these little pop-up videos of when you're trying barbecue out, maybe you and the family yeah. on the road. I saw you post one. You're, I think you were maybe coming out of Bucky's with a brisket sandwich and you were just like, it's overrated. <laughs> I was like, thank I mean, you. I mean, it's gas station barbecue. Again, if you rate it on the gas station scale, it's really high. If you rate it on that regular barbecue yeah. scale, I mean, it's all right. It ain't bad. I eat it if I'm hungry. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But, uh, yeah, we started doing barbecue reviews last summer. We'll do them again this summer. This is we travel and go different places, you know, head to the beach or go somewhere. Uh, we stop and eat barbecue and uh, do little do little reviews that are fun at different places. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get back on that soon. Are y'all gonna have a bricks and mortar spot at uh, at Wire Park, or y'all just do the pop up uh, step out there? Get yeah, just pop up step up stuff, man. The uh, I love my buddy Duke is got Wire Park popping development in Watkinsville. It's a lot of fun. Actually, ate lunch there today, uh, but no, we can't put it in barbecue. I found this out about barbecue. It's a lot of fun as a hobby, but when you turn it into something that becomes a business, there's a whole lot of hours and not a lot of dollars. And as I evaluate my life. Something that takes a whole lot of hours and brings back very little dollars is not something I want to invest huge amounts of time in every day. So, uh, you know, I like a lot more just going back at my barn in the backyard. So, yeah. I hear you. It's probably cool. I mean, cooking for uh, church and different things, gatherings you can have out there. And um, and I heard y'all just had a men's retreat out there with Coach. And um, and I uh, talk a little bit about your church and how y'all are involved as a family and uh, yeah, Watkinsville Baptist, right? Yeah, Walkersville First Baptist. Um, yeah, we uh, we've been there for uh, shoot. We started when we first got married. I know. Ooh, glad Shelly's not sitting with me right this second. We got married in two thousand five. So this will be eighteen years. So we've been going to Walkersville for about eighteen years. I started going there as part of a newlywed class. A guy named Scott Shepard, who was on staff for our Athletes in Action back in the day on campus, started that class, and um, he was some of our closest friends in the world today. Still got to walk to be with us there. And uh, it's it's been great, man. It's been a place where our marriage has grown. Um, we've welcomed four kids in our family while we've been members there. Um, you know, shed a lot of tears, had a lot of laughs, all the the stereotypical stuff you say about a great church. But but we love it, man. It's a place. Um, Carlos Sibley is our pastor, and he always says that it's all about life and uh, trying to make wholehearted followers of Christ. 
And, man, just to be able to kind of plug into that, I feel very fortunate, much like my time at Georgia, get around good people who have the right values, the right morals, and who, who are trying to help you keep your track going straight. It goes a long way in life. But, man, we are not made to go through this life alone, man. It's called carry the mat with podcasts, right? Like, no dude can carry his own mat. You got to have somebody else to help with that. If you try to do anything by yourself, your chances of success go way down. So Walksville for us has been a community where we've really been able to grow as a couple, as a family, um, our personal lives, our spiritual lives. I mean, we, we love it. We love everything about our local church. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, talk a little bit about uh, being, I guess, from your vantage point with Hope 139 and what um, we talked to Shelly about that. But yeah. talk a little bit about what that's like from your role and serving with that. Yeah, well, well, first, first, man, I'm I'm super proud of my wife. Um, you know, for her to have the courage to step out and to and to do a hard thing. Um, we talk about doing hard things sometimes, and how um, nobody desires that. Nobody desires hard times, but when you do it often, man, there's just such a reward that comes from that. So to watch my wife be faithful, to be obedient, and to be bold enough to actually hear the vision or kind of see the vision, hear it and say, I'm going to move forward with it, even in the face of obstacles, has been a huge encouragement for me. So I'm super proud of her. Um, we laugh in our family, like whenever we pray, like the Lord doesn't speak to me. He only speaks to Shelly. Um, so I'll say, babe, I was praying about this the other day, and the Lord said this. She's like, I don't think you heard that right. Let me talk to him. So, uh, you know, she told me for a while how she just felt the Lord was leading us to this calling. And, uh, man, when we started digging into the need behind some of these young moms who are in crisis situations, need somewhere to, you know, to live, a place to raise their kids, a chance to break the cycle that they're in in life, um, and ultimately to be able to hear about Jesus. I mean, what what greater calling do we have? So just to be able to tag along to support her, um, to help Hope One Thirty Nine with whatever's needed is a um, it's a it's a lifetime calling that um, you know hopefully there's gonna be crowns in heaven for it one day. So we're just trying to be obedient to what the Lord says, and I'm really thankful for my wife and her heart, and I'm just glad to ride her coattails on it. Yeah, y'all are definitely making a great impact yeah. in and around Athens and Watkinsville. So that's off. Yeah, y'all just got a lot of range, and it seems like y'all are just the type of people that are serving wherever you kind of feel called. And um, I guess just a good thing for the community um, and your church and, and what y'all doing with nonprofit and just your own own personal family. Y'all are a good witness to to us and uh, our families. We're just uh, grateful to learn from you, take some notes, and. Uh, we're excited to put our listeners on some of that that goodness that y'all are doing, and I uh, appreciate it. And you're humble as they come, and you got some funny stories. And uh, we look forward. Maybe we can have you on another time, talk some more barbecue, and um, let you just talk because uh, it's hilarious. Yeah, oh, well, I, I, I really I, appreciate I, it. And I just, yeah. Well, anytime, and I, I'm appreciative of it. Um, a lot of respect for you guys. Uh, you know, from from what I know about you, the type of man you are, and uh, you're willing to get on here and and uh you know, do hard things, man. I mean, this podcast aren't easy. You know, we've had some technical things trying to mess up today, but you guys keep pushing, asking good questions. And and I'm grateful for that. So, uh, yeah, any, any time you guys have a, a spot that nobody wants, that nobody can talk, you just call me. Like, I'll make up something. We can laugh. We'll have a good time. So, uh, y'all, y'all are good dudes. You're a freaking natural at it, man. I look forward to every single week on 960 on my drive to work. <laughs> When you get on there with uh, he calls in. yeah, he calls in. I call like, in, and <laughs> I'm a nerd, but you, you kill it. It's all good. You're fun to listen to.
Well, thank you very much. It's a, it's, a lot, it's a lot of fun doing it. So yeah, again, man, I just I just know people that are really nice to me for some reason. I appreciate the opportunity. So yeah, well, thank you, Russ, man, thanks, and, Russ. Uh, and please tell Shelly thanks again from us. We really appreciate it. Hey, we appreciate you guys, man. God bless and go dogs. What's up, y'all? This is Daniel with Carry the Mat Podcast. Really appreciate y'all joining in this week, and we hope y'all enjoyed our conversation with Shelly and Russ Tanner. Y'all be sure to continue to like and follow our podcast on our Instagram account, uh, YouTube, Spotify podcast, and Apple podcast.